Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Each week we talk about heart rate variability and how it can be used to improve your overall health and wellness. Please consider the information in this podcast for your informational use and not medical advice. Please see your medical provider to apply any of the strategies outlined in this episode. Heart Rate Variability Podcast is a production of Optimal LLC and Optimal HRV. Check us out at OptimalHRV.com. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. I am Matt Bennett. I'm just going to do a quick introduction here. Uh, We have a great episode with Don Moxley uh, today. We had a little bit of technical difficulty. I did my best in editing to overcome those difficulties. I believe you've got a great listening experience ahead of you, but I just wanted to apologize up front. If you just see it, there should be maybe one or two little glitches in there. We tried to do our best, uh, but I think you'll enjoy this episode regardless. So, Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast, and let's get on with the episode. Welcome, friends, to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. I am Matt Bennett. I'm here with Don Moxley today, who I'm excited to explore just a range of topics, uh, getting to know Don a little bit um, over the last uh, few weeks that we've been setting up this episode. So, Don, I want to welcome you to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast, and uh, before I kind of jump in with my questions, I'd just love for uh, you to do a brief introduction of, of your work uh, before we start to nerd out. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, and I'm excited. You guys have a great podcast. I love what you do, so I'm, I'm excited to be part of it. Um, give you a little introduction. I was a college athlete uh, back in the early 80s. I actually, I grew up feeding beef cattle in Ohio and and went to Ohio State with every expectation of going back and feeding beef cattle, but I struggled with injuries and I had to, I had to come up with a formula so I could at least stay on the mat and um, fell in love with human physiology, uh, finished up my undergraduate degree, did my master's work at Ohio State um, and immediately started teaching. Um, so I've been a university professor for almost 35 years now. But rather than just staying in the classroom or going the quote unquote academic route with research, I was always adjunct. I love to teach, Um, but I've always had a foot in the industry um, as it relates to technology, things like that, or working with elite athletes. Um, Part of that journey put me in Polar Electro, so the heart rate monitor company, and I wound up working with them. And this is what my introduction to HRV. So before cell phones, I'm, I'm that old, um, (laughs) certainly before smartphones, um, Polar was introducing technologies that were called own zone, own index, things Mm -hmm. like that. And we started, I started to dig in, okay, what is, what is this technology? And frankly, I loved it because, you know, in the exercise community, we want to prescribe exercise from this thing that's called max, you know? So we think we got to do a max test and we back down. I hate that. Um, I, if you, when you start to understand physiology and you understand lactate and some things like that, you find out there's a much better place to prescribe from down at, in one of these thresholds. Well, all of a sudden you figure out HRV and the way polar was using it was a really good way for predicting this onset of cardiovascular benefit and the range. So that was my introduction. Um, It didn't take long to figure out, okay, we can use this a lot of different ways. So I had my own facility. And when people would come to my facility to test, I would always measure HRV because I wanted to see what their status was. And, and, And actually what happened one day, 
I had a police officer at an 830 appointment. He comes in, his, his, his SDNN was horrible. It was like 15 milliseconds. And um, I said, I go, what have you been doing? Um, I said, when's the last time you slept? And he goes, how do you know that? And I said, well, just, just answer the question. You know, he said, well, I just, I just got off work. He says, I worked all night. And I go, I said, listen, we can do this test, but it's not going to be valid. You're not ready for it. Readiness. Um, and so these, this was the introduction and, and I'll give you a link to a presentation. And so move the story forward several years in 2015, the head wrestling coach at Ohio state came to me and said, Hey, I've got this athlete that's struggling. And we had a relationship because I'm an alumnus and, and I do, this kid comes in, I'm getting ready to do some testing. This is nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. This kid had not wrestled since uh, six o'clock Friday evening was the last physical involvement he had comes in. I wire him up with a Zephyr system at the time. And, um, his RMSSD is um, about 10 milliseconds. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and, I'm, and so I don't say anything to anybody. I tell him to go lay down in my facility, goes down, lays on a bench. RMSSD over the next five minutes climbs to about 100 milliseconds. Um, soon as he stands up, crashes down again. And I'm like, so I go ahead and I run the test. He does about half of what he should. I mean, there's there all the overtraining, very, all the overtraining signs were there. Um, and so I said to the coach, I said, here's your challenge with this very talented wrestler. His kid's a three-time Pennsylvania state champion, very talented kid, but he was just stealing matches, just slipping by. And I said, he's, this kid's maladapting to your training. Um, and the coach said, what do we do? I said, well, you got to start training him for what he can do, not what you think he should do. Mm -hmm. um, so they hired me. I came in. We put a uh, an Omega Wave system. I got I got one of the new, the first versions of the latest Omega Wave system. Um, and we started doing training based on readiness. And literally, literally, I changed nine workouts. Wow. Um we, we were able to get him up to, so we got this kid who was stealing matches. And I don't know what you know about wrestling, but the big 10 is the wrestling conference, you know, getting, getting in. I mean, if you're a big 10 wrestler, you have every expectation of wrestling at nationals. Mm -hmm. um, so we get this kid, I get his resting, uh, I guess morning RMSSD up to about 70 milliseconds. Um, we get him through big tens. He goes to nationals and he, um, makes all American. Um, so I have coaches in the room prior to this, looking at me, like, what are you doing? You can't, I mean, this kid's got to train. I'm like, no, no, this kid's got to do what he can do. Then he makes all American Ohio state wins national title that year. And everyone looks at me like, okay, tell me more about this voodoo you have. Yeah. Um, we, we, so the team starts to invest in it. I, I have a year, I get a first beat system. One of my alumnus gives me a first beat bodyguard and first beat software. Mm -hmm. um, we start to do some more extensive studies on the rest of the team, but I only have one device really. Um, so you can only get so far. Well, the, I, the blessing was the U S air force, um, uh, uh, special operations lab is based in Wright Patterson air force base in Dayton, Ohio. Well, they were in a partnership with Ohio state looking at wearables and athletes because they're trying to understand how, why their warriors are breaking. 
Um, they're trying to do a, a wearable study to, and, and so the athletes wound up being good analogs. So when I got the relationship with the Air Force Research Lab, I went from one device to 16. Wow. Um, and my data just skyrocketed. So in, in 17, 18, we measured three and a half million data points on a wrestling team. Um, what yeah. came out of it? We got to where I could use HRV for diagnosis. What is the problem with this kid? I could use it for prescription. How hard should we go today? Is this team ready? And we got to where it it, it was for selection. So Matt, the last year I was with the team, we qualified 10 guys for nationals. First time in school history. We had eight All-Americans, first time in school history. I could have told you the two guys that wouldn't make All-American the first day of the tournament based on RMSSD scores. Wow. Um, and, and so... So this was this was uh, this was a huge breakthrough. I mean, literally, yeah. we were predicting success. Um, we we're predicting failure too. But, uh, <laughs> but so, and then, you know, crazy. You know, it's crazy the way the universe works. Um, yeah. I had worked with a guy in New Mexico in a wearable company out there uh, that was using HRV in a in a corporate wellness setting, and they were, and it was a pretty cool. Uh, technology, but he and I had exited that co that company about the same time, and he went into cannabis up in Oregon, and I that's when I went to Ohio State. Yeah. Well, the whole time he's sending me notes. What do you know about THC and HRV and this and that? And I'm like, I don't know anything about THC and HRV. My guys are, you know, my guys are NCAA athletes. So you still, <laughs> still, still, but um, he finally said, I start looking at it. I've got pro coaches reaching out to me saying. Hey, there's something here because pros can use cannabis. Mm -hmm. um, and if you had a good HRV guy in the pros, they're seeing the reaction. So my friend comes to me and says, so do you want to work in cannabis? And at the time I'm like, I want to understand this. Um, yeah. So I leave Ohio state and I go start selling weed in South Florida. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all, it's all great. As all great academics do. Um <laughs> But no, there's hired, a TV show in there somewhere. <laughs> they, hired, they hired me to be the director of brand. It was a medical cannabis brand. They wanted to put, and they knew I understood some things that other people didn't. So Matt, and, I go, and what, what year, what year are we talking about now, Don? This was 18. Okay. This was 18. So Matt, the amount of information that is available on cannabis, the science of cannabis, cannabinoids is, is immense. Mm -hmm. No one knows about it. It's like, it's behind this curtain. Yeah. Um, when you take a deep dive into the deep end of the pot pool, all of a sudden it opens up and I was blown away. Now, mm -hmm. now the thing that, that really hooked me early is that um, number one, when we look at, the runner's high, the athlete's high. So Matt, I've taught exercise physiology for 35 years. Okay. I've been teaching the exercise sciences. I did not know about this ligand, this molecule called anandamide. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Zen molecule. Anandamide is responsible for runner's high. Yeah. This is what drives it. Um, I don't know this until I'm in the industry and happen to cross paths with another pretty good physiologist. Um, but then I start digging into this and 
The next thing I come across is the role of anandamide in the amygdala during fear conditioning. Mm. So there's actually, there's, there's a lot of data on mice and dogs that if you fear condition it, there's a drop of anandamide in the amygdala. And I looked at this and I go, ah, this is trauma. Mm-hmm. This is the impact of trauma. This is the actual physiological impact of trauma. Wow. And then all of a sudden my two worlds collided, you know, yeah. weed and, and HRV. Um, and it's, we've just been off to the races since then, but you know, there's, listen, I've listened to you guys enough. You recognize in modifying parasympathetic, sympathetic behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, a good friend of mine, Stephen Kotler, who wrote uh, The Rise of Superman, he's he's into flow. He mm-hmm. and I have had a lot of conversations about, I personally believe flow is a sympathetic, parasympathetic co-activation. It's not, don't think of those as a teeter-totter. You got to think of those independently. And when you, and in his book, I mean, I was reading the, the introduction to his book, Stealing Fire. I don't know if you've read this or not. Great book, by the way. Yeah. Um, I'm reading Stealing Fire and I'm like, okay, this is that co-activation that goes on to drive flow because it's so critical for athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for humans, not just athletes, but humans. Um, so I start looking at this and this is this is where the worlds came together. And um, so, you know, my wife and daughter at the time were still living in Ohio. I was living in a one bedroom apartment in, in North Palm Beach, Florida. My kitchen looked like Breaking Bad. I had <laughs> scales and beakers, and I was figuring out cannabis and cannabinoids. Yeah. Um, and and learned a lot, and and then left and came to work for Longevity Labs, and you know, so that's kind of the story um, of how I got here. Is that you know a great interaction with Polar almost thirty years ago to learn about HRV. I had, you know, listen, I don't know another sports scientist that has access. I had Omega Wave. I had First Beat. I had multiple, I had multiple devices, I had multiple platforms, and I had Olympic medalists. I had national champions, and I had, we ran the gamut. You know, I had 38 guys on that team. Eight of them were all American or better, so we could profile what a great athlete, what a great wrestler looks like. I had a group of guys that made the starting lineup from time to time, but never made all American, which gave me another cohort to look at. And then I had guys that never in lineup, but, but they wrestled every day. They trained with the yeah. same guys, which the observations were just unbelievably valuable. And then, you know, we, you grow from that, you learn from that. And, and personally, listen, again, I got the invitation from you guys and I was thrilled to death because I, I believe, and I'm sure you would agree with this. HRV is one of the single most indicators of health, wellness, and performance there is. Not going to argue there, my friend. (laughs) Most, most, most medical professionals do not recognize the value. Right. Um, and, and, you know, at some point in time, I'll have a presentation. Um, I'm actually working on it. Um, you know, Martin Seligman from University of Penn. Yes. Um, the, the father of positive psychology. Yes. I, I'm read, I'm, I was reading his book years ago. And he when he became the president of the, uh, the, of the society, he said, listen, what we do, we help people go from minus 10 to zero psychologically. He says, 
to move people from zero to 10. So when you look at when you look at 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 wellness and performance, you know, we know that at at minus 10, your HRV will be zero right before you die. And my Olympians who are plus 10 are 100, 125, 155 milliseconds of RMSSD. The rest of us are in between. So HRV as an indicator gives us a tool for helping people understand. Listen, we don't get symptomatic and we don't start to get pathological until what are we? Minus one, minus two. We start to see symptoms. We start to see a pop up. HRV has already dropped. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and as you move your HRV up, the symptomatology goes away. Um, as you improve your blood pressure, HRV climbs and you're no, and you don't have as much cardiovascular risk. And so we can listen, you can go through this through immunity, inflammation, yeah. cardiovascular, neuromuscular. Um, so you can't, this is the value of HRV as I see it. And, and frankly, you know, Matt, I don't know what it's going to take for this to break through. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind it will. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for when I go to my doctor and he looks at my HRV scores and my CGM scores, instead of looking at labs, he takes one times a year. Right. Exactly. Or, or your blood pressure that was more measuring the stress of your commute in. So um, I, I have a quick question because I, I think this is very relative and it's just a little bit of fascination on my point as well is that also growing up in the Midwest, I was on the basketball court as the uh, the wrestlers were running around. Right. I don't know if there is a more unhealthy group of people than wrestlers dehydrating oh. themselves, starving them. I mean, they're running around. And this was in the like 90s. So I, I'm yeah, assuming, yeah. but like things we know, no athlete should be doing, making weight seems like the- Yeah, you got to be careful. Okay, slow down just a second. Okay. okay. We now know- fasting is an important part of health. Yeah, okay? yeah, yes. Fasting, for fasting and autophagy and its role in health is really important. We're now starting to understand, listen, this is my sauna, okay? Mm -hmm. We now know that sauna is a beneficial process intracellularly, boosts cardiovascular fitness, does a lot of things. So while the things that wrestlers do may be unconventional, probably not unhealthy. Okay. So now listen, we can make anything stupid, right? Don't get me wrong. Okay. I don't, I don't want to minimum. I don't say everything that wrestlers do is smart. There's a, there's a lot of dumb stuff they do, but cutting weight main, if it's done correctly. In fact, I, one of my only studies in the literature, we able to show that high school wrestlers that cut weight correctly were more successful than, than high school wrestlers that didn't. Interesting. Uh, but it's got to be done correctly. We didn't do the side of the study. What happens when they mess it up? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> we, you know, so so you gotta. It, it it Matt. It was an amazing. It gave me an amazing platform. Understanding the physiology of wrestling, which is which is significant. Mm -hmm. um, arguably, arguably. Listen, it's the original sport. You know, Genesis, yeah. Jacob wrestled the wrestled the angel, wrestled the devil angel, however you want to read yeah. Genesis. Um, Hercules, you know, it, it's the original sport. Yeah. Um, but and as wrestlers say, there's only one sport, everything else is a game. Um, <laughs> but um, but those practices I just looking at y'all up running out there in trash bags, and I'm like, really? 
like well they're not allowed to do that anymore so they <laughs> changed those rules okay but, well that that was kind of my question is I, my perception is never being in that god-awful hot stinky wrestling room that they spent their time in um it seemed like like i i just kind of wondered was there hesitation when you came into a sport that again as an outsider and you can just say matt your perception was wrong and i'll take that is really a machismo kind of like push 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 as much as any if not more than others and you're coming in and said hey maybe we need to think about recovery different maybe we need to you're not trained you need to lay off a little bit on this end maybe so i i just kind of wondered more the openness in a sport that i always saw as all out all the time sort of mentality which all sports was back in the 90s but wrestlers just put trash bags on as they ran we didn't do that so that that perception is accurate okay but my point is this and i've i've given this talk a thousand times there was a long period of time when going harder was the process for getting through selection okay the challenge is now everyone in the sport everyone that's good goes hard all the time so that's no longer a a characteristic that contributes to selection and probably contributes to breakdown and 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 again what we've learned is that you know listen I, I do a talk where I talk, we create boxes of stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, in exercise, the box is as high as the intensity. It's as wide as the duration. What goes into it is our mode. This is classic exercise prescription. And the and the number of boxes a week is frequency. Um, and so we know that when you apply stress, it degrades. Uh, so it throws in, it, it breaks homeostasis. It degrades physiological status with recovery. We get hyper recovery. We get hyper rea- um, uh, uh, reaction to it and we get stronger with recovery. Um, and this is what we saw, you know, using, we, listen, we did, we, we have using um, our first beat, we were measuring 24 hours of an athlete and I measured what he did I measured his sleep at night after drinking four beers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and four beers is nothing for a college athlete. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> so, but it cut his nighttime recovery in half. Yeah. Okay. And, and Matt, listen, this isn't, I, we enjoyed our time in college. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not back off of social hardly at all. I mean, it was full on. And I walked into a lot of six o'clock wrestling program uh, practices, um, six a.m. wrestling practices, probably still intoxicated. Yeah. Um, but I was a good enough athlete that not only could I get through the practice, I could perform well in the practice. Right. Back in the early eighty, okay, it was it was just go go go. Right. And and we did it all. I mean, we went socially, we went academically, we went athletically. There was, there, you know, there's no, it was all maxed out. Um, and so this is, this is, this is the benefit of wearable technology. The things that we're dealing with now, we're starting to, we're able to develop these insights. Yeah. So, so let's talk cannabis. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. alcohol is, is the joke on this podcast is if you want to ruin alcohol, start checking your heart rate variability. It will show you that it's poisoning your body, basically, yep. uh, very yep. concretely. 
cannabis is an interesting, uh, interesting because yes. you know that there's all this noise out there now. Is I mean, it's still a Schedule One drug for whatever. For now, we 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 really think we really think Congress. Listen, with all the dysfunction in Congress right now, who knows how who long knows? it's going to take. But we literally, we're seeing the communication, we're seeing conversation, bipartisan communication. We think, depending on what the House does, and again, this is kind of a big week for that. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> we think it could be rescheduled within a year. Right. Which, so, which also may put some interesting challenges. I was, I've been listening to this. I mean, you talk about noise. I don't understand why it's a schedule one to begin with, in my opinion. But if you take it off policy. schedule one, can you still buy it recreationally yeah. in Colorado? Yeah, I, yeah. So it, it'll be an interesting thing. That, so lots listen. of noise on this. So, you know, for every like, you know, they're, they're, I think cannabis is such interesting because beer versus vodka versus tequila, you sort of have the drug stays fairly consistent. Um with that obviously if you're a connoisseur of one of those you can argue with me but the alcohol is for the most part alcohol you know when you get into cannabis i mean i was out in where was i uh nashville and you can buy over the counter strains of thc where well, you can't get delta recreational nine. like delta nine which yeah is delta nine so like there's all this noise out there and i wonder like as somebody who has that scientific mindset of how do i how do i do you know go through this noise and bring out things that can help people i would love to just just kind of throw that at you and see what your journey has been yeah, like yeah here's the difference your body does not have an endo alcohol system okay your body does have an endocannabinoid system yeah. that we only know about through research on cannabis, okay? We started to realize, and then we learned about endocannabinoids. We know of six of them, but the biggie is anandamide. This is this was one of my, this was one of the things that shocked me, Matt. I've been teaching exercise science for 35 years. Endocannabinoid system and anandamide should be chapter two of exercise yeah. 101. <laughs> that, uh, uh, anandamide and BDNF, brain-derived yep. neurotrophic factor. That's why you exercise. We, You should not exercise to lose weight. Worst right. goal in the world, okay? Right. You should move daily at a high with a high volume of movement to produce anandamide. This mm -hmm. is the Zen molecule. And, the, and when I talk to people, Matt, when your body is dehydrated, what signal does it give you to hydrate? A dry mouth. Thirst. Yeah. Thirst. So if your body is, is in need of nutrients, whether energy or some other nutrient, what signal does it give you to gather nutrients? Stomach grumbles. Hunger. Yes. Yep. What is anxiety? Okay. Look at anxiety as a signal. And when you look at anxiety and, and neurological communication, what we know is that there is a back channel at, 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 an, at a synaptic level. A nerve reaches its um, its threshold. It dumps a neurotransmitter into the cleft. The other nerve gathers enough. And when it gathers enough, what there is, there's a back channel signal from the postsynaptic cleft to the presynaptic that says, good, we're good. Go ahead and stop. That's anandamide. Okay. If anandamide is low, you just keep dumping. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. This is anxiety. This is when you're running out of neurotransmitters. This is when you're creating that kind of stuff. And we need to go talk about the amygdala too, and anandamide at the amygdala. But this is, there is a fundamental system in your body that runs on a set of molecules that looks just like the cannabis molecule, cannabinoids. So we'll, we'll talk more about those in a minute. So that's the big difference. Your body, you know, listen, I, I, again, I go back to Kotler's book, Stealing Fire. He spends a lot of time talking about all animals, nearly all animal groups, particularly mammals, have an intoxication desire. Okay. So whether it's dolphins that are grabbing a hold of blowfish and getting stoned off of them or things like that, you know, pigs eating, you know, apple, um, rotten apples and getting drunk. So there's a, there's a natural piece there, but going back to the anandamide production, you know, we also produce a, uh, an, uh, a cannabinoid when we orgasm. So it's two AG. So it's going to promote that behavior. Um, so that's the big difference between call and cannabis and and remember cannabis was part of the u.s pharmacopoeia it was part of the list of drugs that doctors had to recommend until 1948 okay and the ama argued to keep it in but because of con because of congressional pressure um from I'm not going to go the conspiracy theory. Right? We can just say racism, I think, is okay. Well, it's, well it's more than that. No, no, it's Ray more racism than Racism plus. <laughs> it's racism. So DuPont had nylon. They didn't want to compete with cannabis ropes, with hemp ropes. Uh, um, when we take a look at bear and, and water-based um, insects, well, cannabis is a much better inset. It's oil-based, but it's much better, and it's not injectable. And then you look at, the like, the paper publishers, you can, our constitution is written on hemp paper. Yeah. Our first flag is made out of hemp. You used to, so, so there's a lot, there, there's a lot of history here that got lost between 1950 and 1970 yeah. with the war on drugs, yeah. but back away from that, we're starting to break through that. The science is solid here. And what we know is that as you do things to improve endocannabinoid system status, meditation, any of the things that we do that are parasympathetic boosts, you have to have the ligand in there to respond. So let me go one more step here, talking about the amygdala. So if you're born in a rattlesnake pit, hypervigilance is the only way you survive. If you get through that and I take you out of the rattlesnake pit and I put you into a house full of bunny rabbits, you will still be hypervigilant. Okay. Even though the environment's changed and I believe, listen, you can't do this study in humans. Um, but we, you know, dogs, mice, these are, these are good models. There's a drop. And you know what, listen, I think you're probably old enough to remember the Vietnam era. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't want to date you. I apologize if you're not. No, it's okay. Um, you, you, yeah. But, um, you know, we took a bunch of kids and we dropped them in rattlesnake pits. Yeah. Okay. We put them in, in the worst environment possible. It's no wonder they came back smoking pot. OK, yeah. this is the only way to restore the vigilance, to get back to normal. Well, this is the kind of, listen, you guys do a beautiful job of understanding trauma, recognizing trauma. And it's impossible when you understand trauma, it's impossible to ignore it. OK, yeah. and how how we traumatize. We're really good at traumatizing in our society. Yeah. We're really good at it. Um, but physiologically what's going on, 
Well, I'll tell you, there's a drop of anandamide in the amygdala. And if you want to restore that, you have to take on a bunch of behaviors that are parasympathetic in nature. Sympathetic's easy. Parasympathetic's the part you got to train for. And if you go ahead and boost the endocannabinoids in the system, it improves the efficiency of the system. Hmm. Interesting. So, so when let, let's talk about practical applications uh, of mm -hmm. this and some of your, you know, your, your work in bringing this uh, more to the market uh, as one of those voices that is like, Hey, we, we need to look at this, that this can have some really good benefits uh, for, for individuals. And if I, if I understand your work, right, not just elite athletes, not just people who are oh, no. struggling with trauma, but the whole uh, range of, of folks. So, so talk to me, let's bring us up to speed about your work. Where are you trying to bring this science uh, to, to helping people? So Matt, I, I left the cannabis business to come work for a company called Longevity Labs. Um, it's an Austrian company and, and, and what they have found is one of the key elements to longevity is a intracellular cleaning process called autophagy. Um, it's critical in, in quality of end of life and, and life, life, both lifespan and health span. There's a molecule critical in the autophagy process that's called spermidine. It's a molecule in every cell of your body, men, women, plants, and animals. And, and Longevity Labs has a product called spermidine life. So we launched this product. Um, and then we started talking to our customers who were buying it. And a lot of our customers were Spurry followers. So this guy's an online influencer. At the time, he was an advisor to Aura Ring. Mm. All these people had Aura Rings. 80% yeah. of them had Aura Rings. 80% of them didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I said to our CEO, I go, there's an opportunity here. Um so he comes to me one day and he says, so can we do an HRV supplement? I go, absolutely. I said, I've already, fi I figured this out when I was in Florida. Um, and so we, and so we create, so the number one driver of poor HRV is inflammation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it's one, it's, it's what causes problems at end of life too. I mean, cancers, cardiovascular disease, neural, poor, poor, um, uh, 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 poor, performance immunity is the word I was struggling for there. Um, but they're all inflammation related. As you improve autophagy, you lower inflammation. As you lower inflammation, HRV was improving. And so they came to me and they said, can we do this? And I said, absolutely. So by a blend of cannabis extracts, CBD, which I'm not, it, it that's along for the ride. I'm not a huge CBD fan. Hmm. I'm a huge fan of CBDA the acid form of the molecule coming out of a huge fan of that. It hangs on lots of receptors. CBD does not. Oh, really? Then, can, can you yeah. go into that just a little bit? I, I, I know the nerds out there would love to hear a little bit about, about that. So what we know is, we, so we're dealing with about four different receptors, CBD, CB1, CB2. CB2 is the big one on inflammation and, and wellness, but we all have our 5-HT pain receptors, mm -hmm. the vanilla receptors and we have our trip receptors trip v receptors cbda hangs on all of those interesting cbd hangs on none of them now what cbd does is there is an enzyme that breaks down anandamide it's called faah and cbd will interfere with faah and you'll maintain anandamide levels longer 
Mm. But you've got to use CBD at levels probably 10x what m- most people are using them. Oh wow! And you can the market just ha- and this is this is market stuff. But you know, I buy CBD for a dollar a gram. Mm. They sell it for one hundred and eighty dollars a gram. Yeah. So there's there's a huge disconnect there right now. CBDA, which is the form that it comes out of the plant, incredibly valuable. Okay. Um, and then there's another terpene, quote, uh, uh, parentheses, dietary cannabinoids called beta-caryophylline. So beta-caryophylline would be considered a cannabinoid if it wasn't in black pepper and mangoes and some other places. Mm-hmm. But this is also an incredibly valuable cannabinoid. So we, we've put those in to boost endocannabinoid system status, to give your central nervous system the necessary ligands to operate on, because we're not moving enough. We're not, we're not eating nutrient-dense food. We're not sleeping enough, and we're not getting enough light on our skin, mm-hmm. um, all of which improves HRV. Um, and so it goes down to that endocannabinoid system status. So so we take those three cannabinoids in a, it's a hemp extract. So there's, there is a risk of a little THC being in there, but it's below levels. It's whole other, whole other podcast. Um, but um, we put that into a DHA EPA rich fish oil. Again, omega-3s drive uh, the reduction of inflammation, yep. but we also put in what's called specialized pro-resolving mediators. These are the biologically available omega-3s. This is, they're called resolvins. Mm-hmm. And these resolve the inflammatory process. So we found a lab in Spain. So we've combined those two things, the, the, the cannabis extract that have been bumped with the, 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 the CBDA and the beta-caryophylline with the omega-3 fats that are spiked with SPMs. And that's, and that's where we came up with our product. Excellent. Well, what kind of results are, are you seeing? So we ran an open label uh, uh, pilot study on this. Um, we saw a straight up across the board 10% improvement in HRV over 30 days. Wow. Um, so we, we were thrilled. And, and we only had, so of the participants, we only had a 5% non-responder. Um, 95% of the people had some positive response. Um, the end of, I mean, listen, we have, we have some end of, I mean, we had 30, 35% improvement from some people. Um, so, so that worked out well. One of the things that people tell us, Matt, is when they start using HRV plus their sleep improves dramatically. And I saw magnesium, magnesium, one of the things in there too. We've got a little bit of magnesium and a little bit of curcumin. Um, I, I don't think, Listen, you know, it's kind of a witch's brew when you're doing nutritional supplements. And I wanted to get is there. Listen, there's not enough DHA EPA from this product for you not to supplement with more omega threes. I think I personally think you need to supplement omega threes to three to five milligrams a day. The regular dose on this, this will be a third. This will be uh, three quarters of a gram a day. Okay. Um, Now, um, so, so yeah, we put there, there's a bit of a witch's brew that goes so the in. cannabis is really the, the star of the show. The cannabis, the omega threes and the SPMs. Okay. Um, so we're, I, I call it an inflammation sledgehammer, um, driving that down. When you look at cannabinoids with gut response, look at omega threes with gut response. You look at the gut leaky gut and those things that go with it with systematic stress hand in hand. Um, and listen, I don't need to tell you about the gut 
brain axis right. and the challenges with depression and all the things that go with that. So, you know, we want to lower that inflammation as much as we can so that vagus nerve can work both directions well and give and give a sense of of recovery, give a sense to be able to take a breath. Um, you know, so that's that's what we did. And it's it's been exciting. It's fun to you know, Matt, the best part of this, my wife and I, we live in an RV and we travel across the country and we got snowed in in Gallup, New Mexico in January. <laughs> um, and the gal that was behind us was an army veteran. And and frankly, she had to deal with some shit that she shouldn't have had to deal with. Yeah. Um, again, we traumatized well. Yeah. Um, and I said, listen, I said, I don't, I don't need to know what you've dealt with. I said, but let me show it. And I gave her a bottle of spermidine and I gave her a bottle of HRV plus. I got a testimony back that I, I really can't report it because of my role with the company because we can't make claims, but it brought me to tears. Um, that's the kind of stuff that makes me that, that, you know, that lights a fire under my ass every day and make, and, and gets me going. And, you know, HRV is the check engine light that we all have. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think our wearable technology is improving dramatically. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of wearables. There's a lot of big wearables on the market that frankly are making claims they shouldn't claim. I mean, if you read into their data, it's not there, mm -hmm. but there are good ones. Um, yeah. You know, I love, listen, I think Aura Ring does a great job. We, we were very happy with, with their data. And but the, the challenge with Aura Ring is I only get RMSSD. Um, from a heart rate. I am a huge advocate of understanding and using LFHF, you know, frequency measures. I'm a huge advocate of that. Listen, I, I consider it a failure that not everyone measures heart rate in every workout they do. Okay. Mm -hmm. Single most valuable thing you can do. Um, but, you know, we see aura rings on people. We see this technology coming. You know, I don't, I don't know when Apple Watch is going to break through with theirs. They're not there yet. It, they're, every every indication is they're not there. Um, but I think they'll get there. I mean, that's a big company. They're figuring out how Apple Health Kit. Um, so, you know, it, the, we're, we're seeing the emergence of great products. Aura, Cardio Mood, Now Watch. I love Now Watch. They have a, a product that's very fashion forward. Um, we're, we're, we're developing the ability to have that daily checkpoint. Am I... Maybe you shouldn't look at it daily, but you should, but that data needs collected so it can be trended and we can see what's going on. And you, as well as I know, this will be a key performance indicator for healthcare. It's it's a key performance indicator for athletic performance, period, yeah. end of story. Um, it's only a matter of time that we it becomes the KPI for longevity and wellness and health and so forth. Awesome. Well, Don, this has been great. I feel like there, there are many off ramps we could go exploring and hope, hopefully we can have you back to, to explore some of those ramps, but uh, obviously we will throw uh, a lot of information links in the show notes at optimalhrv.com. But Don, just, uh, I know uh, you wanted to give a special offer if our folks are interested in trying yeah. HRV plus. So uh, just where, where might they find a little bit of your work? Obviously go to the show notes. We'll get you those links and everything yeah. uh, with that as well. So HRV plus is what the product looks at. Number one, you find it at a website called modemethod.com, M-O-D-E-M-E-T-H-O-D.com. 
Um, if you want to learn more about spermidine, you find that at spermidinelife.us. But not only, so we'll give you a 15% off code if you want to do this, but we've also created sample packs. So this is a three to four day that you can get for under 10 bucks. If you want to try it and not risk a lot, go to, go to, go to HRV plot, go to modemethod.com, check out the sample packs. Like I said, it's, it's under 10 bucks. Awesome. And we'll put, we'll throw all that in the show notes for everybody. Don, I want to thank you so much for your work. Uh, being a pioneer uh, on, in this field, uh, you know, it's just so fun to meet people who, you know, could put the technology together and made it work uh, way when it was a lot harder to do that. So, hey, I appreciate you, my friend. It was so great to meet you. And like I said, uh, hopefully you have you back. We'll, we'll nerd out a little bit more about all those exit ramps. Uh, yeah. We didn't quite have time to explore this episode. Man, I'm so excited. You guys keep up your great work. You're some of the best out there. Keep it up and and um, anything I can do to support you, I will. Thanks, Don. Everybody have a great day. We'll see you next week.